You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR. My name is Shane, I'm here with Fiona York. How are you doing, Fiona? Good, thanks, Shane. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we're here together because Fiona thinks that it's weird to host a radio show by yourself. Um, any listeners want to weigh in on that, whether a single solo host would be acceptable or whether we would be uh, truly ashamed of ourselves to turn up alone to host a 3CR show, please uh, let us know. You can give us some feedback through the 3CR website. Um, today, look, the first thing that we have for you is a uh, panel from the recent National Housing Conference, and we'll talk a bit more about the conference itself after. Um, this is the LGBTI Housing Solutions Panel uh, from the second day of the National Housing Conference. It's going to be introduced, or it was introduced, by Wendy Stone, and features as speakers Andrew Rogers and a shrinking violet named Fiona York. Um, anything you want to say before we hear that? No, I think we should just go straight into straight it. Straight into it. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> hey. Oh, you. <laughs> um, my name is Fiona. Um, I, my pronouns are she, her, and I am the executive officer of Housing for the Aged Action Group, and I'm here with my colleague, um, Andrew Rogers, who is part of our LGBTI reference group. Um, we will also be co-presenting today. Um, I'm going to start off a little, talking a little bit about our organisation. Um, so we're a community-based organisation. We started in the 1980s with a group of older women who were very passionate about the rights of older tenants. And since then we've grown to have over 600 members, mainly from Victoria, but increasingly interstate as well. And we also have a service delivery um, which is called Home at Last and that provides um, support and information to people who are aged 50 years and older about their housing options and we provide support for people to basically move out of unaffordable housing into public community and low-cost retirement housing. Um, our national advocacy is um, part of a philanthropic fund that we have and that's a group of mainly older women across the country that are advocating for housing justice. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about some of what we do in our um, presentation coming up, but what we really wanted to focus on today was our um, older LGBTI housing project. And this is part of our early intervention approach that we take with a lot of marginalised communities and we've had a lot of success in culturally and linguistically diverse communities in tailoring community education with community leaders and bilingual educators to reach people who may be falling through the gaps. Um, and that project has resulted, it's been going for about eight years now, and that's resulted in about a 300% increase in referrals from those marginalised communities into our service and really great housing outcomes. So we're applying the same principles to our LGBTI older folk as well. 
So what we've done to date is form a steering committee made up of LGBTI organisations. Um, we have Switchboard, um, VOWS Ageing and Aged Care, um, Transgender Victoria and Thorn Harbour Health who are informing our work. And we released a report called Out of the Closet, Out of Options, Older LGBTI People at Risk of Homelessness. You can see that on our website and I'll be talking about the results of that shortly. Um, we've done a whole bunch of joint advocacy with our partners, including putting in submissions to government and trying to seek some more funding. And in July last year, we were the, only the second homelessness organisation to achieve rainbow ticket accreditation, um, which was uh, really great for us and also for our, for our people. And we have a community reference group consisting of 11 older members of the LGBTI community, of which Andrew was one. And that also meets regularly to inform our work. So I just wanted to flag that this area of older folk and LGBTI um, housing is really, really under-researched. The Australian Association of Gerontology did a um, scoping study and found that there was only four pieces of research in Australia and New Zealand that touched upon this. So it's an area that we don't know a great deal about, which means that the research that we have done on the ground here in Victoria with our communities is really groundbreaking. Um, and so the key message really is that if you're a researcher out there and you want to do this, there's a gap, a big gap. And, um, and I would encourage people to, to have a closer look at some of the evidence that we know anecdotally. So the research foundings that we found in our, in our, pa in our paper was um, we surveyed 228 older folk, um, 45 plus from a range of different ages, a range of different LGBT and I people. And um, we also, we did face-to-face -face interviews, we did over the phone, and we also did um, online surveys as well. And the thing that we were asking about, which no one has really been asking about, is what is your current housing status? What's the security of your tenure at the moment? And we found, as you can see in the bottom, um, your bottom left, um, that there's a really high number of people in private rental and a lot of people who are paying off mortgages as well. Um, so the other finding was that there was very high levels of self-reported homelessness. So 40% of the participants who we interviewed said that they had experienced homelessness and 16% said that they were currently at risk. But the thing that we found most disturbing and the thing that caused us to want to take action on this is that a lot of them were telling us about their circumstances which to us identified that they were at risk of homelessness, but they didn't self-identify as being at risk. And so we knew that there was a lot of people who were in precarious situations, but firstly didn't recognise that they were at risk and secondly didn't know where to go for help. And some of those risks were that there was very low rates of home ownership, um, there was high rates of people living in private rental. They were seven times more likely to live alone, which as an older person places you at risk of homelessness as well, just because of the high cost of housing. And there was a lot of people living with a disability and living in caring roles. Um, I think it was around 47% compared to 7% of the general population, which is also really high. The other thing that we found was that there were a lot of people who were living in unconventional housing arrangements. So they were living with exes, they were living in caravans with friends um, on, on properties, which may be okay for the moment, but as you get a, as you get older and your needs increase, it is not necessarily going to be okay. And people tended not to want to think about that. Um, and that was a real sort of stigma that we wanted to get over. Um, so have people plan for their housing future and know where to go if things are getting rough.
So um, that's me. Over to you, Andrew. Thank you, Fiona. I'm working as well. Yeah, good. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Andrew Rogers. My pronouns are he and him, and I've been an out loud and proud gay man for nearly 45 years. Standing here today, 50 years after the gay lib movement really got started, I am staggered that it's taken this long for housing to start thinking about what is the impact of LGBTI lives on their housing. Ten years ago, the federal government included in the Aged Care Act amendments the LGBTI population as a special needs group. The aged care sector, in which I do a lot of work with other organisations, has been doing inclusion work and understanding for a decade, and much has changed. But standing here, and having only been involved with PARC for about the last 18 months, I am still amazed that housing is only just beginning to have conversations about the particular needs of older LGBTI people. And people often say to me, well, what do you mean by particular, need, particular needs? So let's think about the history of the LGBTI community. And you will notice that I'm using LGBTI and not LGBTIQA, and I'm not referring to the queer community. Because one of the first things that we need to understand about older LGBTI folk is that there is a real history of discrimination, vilification, and abuse. In short, society made people wrong. Deviant, criminal, sick. And many older LGBTI people still carry the consequences of that in their contemporary lives. What it has meant is that they are afraid of mainstream organisations. No matter how much has changed, the fear of rejection, of a lesser quality of service, of a disinterest by organisations is still very prevalent amongst older folk in the lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans and intersex communities. If you're a service provider, you need to understand that you, not they, but you, need to build trust. It is essential for older LGBTI people who have had a lifetime of discrimination and vilification, of being made wrong, to trust your organisation before they even come through the front door. There is no way that you can say, we'll put a rainbow flag on the front door and that's enough to invite you in. Where's the substance? What are you actually doing? Fiona mentioned that older LGBTI people are seven times more likely to live alone than their mainstream peers. That's not just living alone. That's living without the informal supports that most people take for granted. I know from my work in the aged care sector that most people who approach the My Aged Care system are children of the older person, children or grandchildren. Think about it. Who is it for the older LGBTI person who lives alone and has been rejected by family? Who is it that provides that informal support? Who is it that will help them approach housing services when they are at risk? Where do those informal supports come from? You have to be able to provide a supportive environment 
that they can know, they can trust, so they can take the steps themselves because there may not be other people who do it for them. When you understand the historic discrimination, you understand, and it's important that you do all understand the long-term impact of that historic discrimination. It is important that you understand there is no way, and I keep repeating myself on this, but it is absolutely essential you understand it, you must do whole of organisation inclusion preparation and training. You must look at a whole range of things that you do. There are six standards in the Rainbow Tick Accreditation that provide a really useful guide for how you can go about doing this because it covers everything, not just from the forms, not just from the welcome by the reception desk. It covers everything. How safe is the place that you are going to give somebody to live in terms of the people around them? How close are people to community, and when I say community, I mean other people in the LGBTI community. Because the evidence in the ageing sector tells us that one of the most important things for well-being of older LGBTI people is their capacity to access other people from that community. People often suggest too in the ageing sector, and I imagine it's the same for the housing sector, that we have specific LGBTI services. But what happens if you're a 70-year-old gay man living on a farm in re regional Victoria? Are you going to travel all the way to Melbourne to get the service? Are, or are you going to hope that the mainstream service will provide you an inclusive, safe and welcoming environment in your local town? The responsibility for LGBTI inclusion particularly of, and I'm going to say it, particularly for older people who carry that extra historical baggage, lies with everybody involved in providing safe, secure, affordable housing that is culturally appropriate. One of the other challenges that we have, and it's in the aged care sector, so I imagine it's the same in the housing area, is we have to find people. Many older LGBTI people because of social discrimination, have built lives based on independence. I don't need to access services. I don't trust them, so I will get it done for myself and I will make sure I do it for myself. The problem with that is, in not reaching out for services when they first need them, they arrive at a crisis point. We need to be able to, as Fiona suggested, with early intervention, we need to be able to get to those people now if I run out of time. Andrew, if, if you want to take a couple of minutes and then we've just got questions right at the end. All right, no problem. Sorry, I didn't realise I'd been so kind of... <laughs> but I am a bit passionate about older LGBTI folk having lives that are safe, secure and well lived. And the thing about housing is that it is not just a roof over your head, it is the foundation on which you build every other aspect of a quality life. So let's start, stop talking about putting roofs over people's heads and start talking about giving them the foundations they need to live the authentic lives of the truth of their identity. And I'll leave it there. Mm -hmm.
You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. 855 AM. Well, brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMAR. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 200 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminawaya Mōbōhina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. is the Housing for the Aged Action Group show with Shane and Fiona. Um, before those community announcements, we heard uh, some recordings from the National Housing Conference that happened, was it last week? Um, Fiona, you were lucky and or unlucky enough to attend the National Housing Conference. What, how did you find it? I guess from my perspective, it was a little bit disappointing in that there was no funding available for people with a lived experience of homelessness to attend. So it seemed very dominated by either the kind of community housing sector, which is, I guess, fair enough, given that that's what the conference is about, but also, um, I guess, products to make the management of tenancies better for them. But, but wait, just to say, you said no funding for people with lived experience to attend, but surely, you know, the National Housing Conference must be pretty accessible. It, it can't cost too much to go. How much is a, is a day ticket? Cost a lot of money to go. Um, You're not telling me it's $1,500 to attend the <laughs> National Housing Conference. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, it was about that. And also, the thing that I also thought was a bit inaccessible was that there was apparently 800 people in person and 1,200 people joining online. And obviously a lot of people couldn't make it because of the Queensland floods and the New South Wales floods. But not all of the panels were streamed live. So, for example, our panel, which you just heard an excerpt from, was not available online. Neither was the panel about older women's homelessness. And both of those issues, I mean, were biased, of course. We think of the most interesting and important. So it felt like that they were also curating a little bit away from the most kind of um, grassroots panels. And then in the actual conference itself, they would take no questions from the floor. It was only via an app. Um, and so it just meant that it felt a little kind of controlled and not there wasn't that many kind of in, inspiring interactions, I guess, from my perspective. I don't know. This is just me. Just you. I mean, are we surprised that the totally inaccessible, unbelievably expensive housing conference that's dominated by NGOs isn't interesting, doesn't hear from real people? Um, and is just basically like a sales pitch for different non-profit organisations? 
not just a sales pitch for not-for-profit organisations, but also a sales pitch for strange products, like like an app to be able to help you manage your tenants better, um, an app to sorry, help, sorry, sorry. help your repairs. <laughs> sorry, go back, go back. Manage your tenants better? Are we like to serve breach notices, an app to help you kick your tenants out more efficiently? Presumably, yes. That's exa- I didn't, obviously didn't look at them, but yes, that's what it seems like it's come to. It's come to... Um, I mean, this is in the background. We have the Social Housing Regulation Review, which is trying to put tenants in the centre. But then on the flip side, there's these big conferences dominated by these kind of almost scary dystopian <laughs> uh, technological approaches to managing very vulnerable people. So, yeah, it wasn't great. The food was good, though. How many people do you think you could house with the budget of the National Housing Conference? I cannot even imagine. But how many services could actually be provided to people as well, regardless of the housing. Um, just like while we're slagging this off, which I guess is where I've taken this conversation, um, when I got to the Hag office this morning, I was disturbed to see that we have a new doormat. So speaking of like pointless wastes of money in the community housing sector, the Everybody's Home campaign has printed doormats. Like, what? <laughs> whose idea was that? What are you doing? Put that money somewhere that it will help somebody. Okay, I, I feel like I need to give some context to the doormat. So the doormat, the idea of the doormat is not necessarily to wipe your feet on. Um, it's to hold up as a sign for people to take photos with their politicians as part of a national you know, campaign to get people to do something about housing. So although it is actually a doormat, it has two functions and one of them is awareness raising. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, part of the problem, though, is the, the move away from actually organising people, actually trying to, trying to lobby, trying to protest, trying to get people in the streets, trying to, you know, use direct action and towards pointless social media stunts like waving a, excuse me, waving a doormat in front of a politician's face for a photo opportunity. Like, what is the theory of change? Like, how is that changing anything? I feel like we they're all tools in the toolbox and doormats is one of those potential tools. You can't discount the power of social media. Look at Donald Trump. Like, I feel like we should be able to, you know, use all of these different things. But yeah, I, I can see your point there. Do you know that you can actually make a sign yourself with a bit of paper and a pen? Yeah, the school strike for, for climate was a great example of DIY signage. I think we should definitely do some more of that. Well, anyway, I think I've made my views pretty clear. So moving right along, um, it was International Women's Day yesterday. Fiona, do you want to tell people about the special episode that you put together? Yeah, so hopefully if you were listening to 3CR yesterday, you would have heard a hour-long special on older women and housing justice that was a special edition of our show. And we had some interviews that we'd, um, that we'd played for you know, talking about how people are trying to make change. And it included some stories from our older members from the 80s and included our interview with public housing tenants down at Port Melbourne. And it included Linda Hahn from Queensland speaking about her experience of housing insecurity. And um, and that was part of a panel that um, which, which had a bunch of politicians on too. So there are a bunch of things happening around housing justice and change that we did talk about yesterday. We're also going to bring some more content from the various speaks and speaks speeches that we've been doing lately. So we did one today um, in Sydney and um, yeah, there's been a whole bunch of talk about housing, homelessness and older women around the trap. So hopefully we'll be able to bring some of that to the airwaves shortly as well.
unrelatedly, but if people have been interested in the Retirement Villages Act review, which we talked about um, quite a while ago, and there hasn't really been much of an update for a while, the government recently published on Engage Victoria uh, a summary of the submissions that they received after their options paper. So if you want to check out like where the review is at, um, it's not the most stimulating read, I would have to say. Uh, I think we're recording this a little later in the afternoon than normal. I'm a bit grumpy, <laughs> can, you, can you tell? Um, but if people want to find out what the government's thinking about and, you know, maybe go and wave a doormat under your politician's nose and tell them this is absolute garbage, what are you doing? Can we get some real change in this area? Um, that could be a good, good way to go about it. We also have at HAG, if you are interested in retirement village reform, in all seriousness, we have the, the RAG group, the working group on retirement accommodation uh, that meets once a month. And you are very welcome to come get involved, share your views, um, take some direct action, whatever it is that we're going to do. Um, we'll give out our contact info in not too long. So get your pen and paper ready uh, if that's something that you're interested in. We should in. also say, although Shane has just completely bagged the idea of social media action, um, <laughs> we also are recording people, um, their voices for a campaign for the federal election coming up. So we're asking people to say what they want to see their politicians do or what they want to see their candidates do to address the housing crisis. Um, we have a filmmaker who's putting that together. So if you're interested in having your voice um, heard, probably just on social media, but still that's powerful potentially, um, you can get in contact and be part of that project as well. Look, I just want to be clear, I am by no means against social media or social media activism. I think it's important, uh, undeniably important in the times that we unfortunately live in. Um, but I think there's a big difference between effective social media activism and photo opportunities with politicians where they stand with a mass-produced, ugly, cheap, disposable <laughs> landfill uh, doormat that is only going to contribute to climate change and the ruin of our planet. Oh, oh dear. It is late in the afternoon, isn't it, Shane? <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean. We should give out our contact details. Um, well, let's see. You can get in touch with us. If you're an older person in Victoria with a housing issue and you want to get some advice or some assistance, give us a call on 1300. 876, forgot, isn't it? <laughs> I've forgotten the number. Normally, I'm the one who's all over our phone numbers and Fiona just sits there... Uh, looking sheepish, but I truly have forgotten our number today. Look, you can definitely find our website at oldertenants.org.au. There will definitely be um, in the show notes for this show information about how you can get in touch with us. But if you want to give us a call, the number is 1300 765 178. Um, or if you want to get involved in more of the policy advocacy side of things, uh, you can give us a call on 03 9654 seven three eight nine uh, so those numbers again are one three hundred seven six five one seven eight that's more like i want some help uh, or o three nine six five four seven three eight nine that's more like i want a kneecap politician <laughs> with my doormat rolled up like a weapon um the yeah oldattendance.org.au is the website you can find us on twitter or on facebook um, I think that's about it for this, this week. Yeah. Um, Happy International Women's Day, everyone. Uh, for yesterday, absolutely. And we'll talk to you soon. See you later. Bye.